always helps to turn it on. Okay, I'm Brian Mansfield, and this is Don't Read the Comments, The Spiritual Discipline of Social Media. Um, to start the class, I would like for all of you to turn on your phones. You can keep them silent, but do turn them on. Feel free to use them. If you get bored, check your email. Send a text. Scroll through Facebook. If I say something interesting, take a note. If it makes you curious, search for more information. Um, because I can't very well lead a class on social media and then ask you to put away the tool that allows you access to the very thing that we're going to be discussing. It'd be kind of like having a chemistry class with no labs. Um, we're going to spend most of this class, uh, most of this first class, introducing ourselves and what we're going to be doing here, kind of getting a feel for the room, how you all use social media, uh, what social media you use. We'll spend some time in scripture in this class, uh, Proverbs and the Gospels quite a bit, but most of today will be setting the stage for the rest of the quarter and getting a sense of where everybody is. Um, I, we've got three teachers in the class. Uh, like I said, I'm Brian Mansfield, uh, Walter Sardaki, one of our shepherds, and then Micah Redding. Each of us has a strong interest in social media, but each of us approaches it from kind of a different perspective. Um, we'll be sharing those perspectives. We'd like for you to share yours too. This class is going to be very discussion oriented as opposed to just people up here lecturing. Um, just a little introduction about me. I spent 30, about 30 years as an entertainment reporter uh, for the Nashville scene, for the Tennessean, almost 20 years at USA Today, many other places. Now I'm the content director for a PR company overseeing the team that handles our social media accounts. So between those two jobs, I have spent a lot of time online. I pretty much live on social media. And, I, and I'm also fascinated by the way that people communicate and how different media systems affect communication. So I want uh, you to get to know Micah and Walter a little bit. So if you guys would come up for just a couple of minutes and Micah, we'll start with you. Give us a little bit of your background and tell us what you want to do, what, what you want yeah. to do with this class. So uh, yeah, I'm Micah Redding, I'm a software developer and I'm the executive director of the Christian Transhumanist Association, which is a small nonprofit uh, pursuing a better relationship between religion and technology. And so we kind of engage in these conversations between um, the, the very broad religious world and you know people pushing kind of cutting edge technological change in Silicon Valley and places like that. Uh, so this is very interesting to me as part of this larger question of our relationship to technology, our relationship to science, how does religion and spirituality, what, what, how do they inform that relationship? Um, and I actually think, um, you know, so the, these invite all kinds of big questions and I, I probably get like too big picture, um, but I think this, uh, really feeds into something significant. Social media changes how we relate to each other. And it's a, it's a social technology, right? We're social creatures and social media um, does something that we humans have a really, really hard time resisting, which is it allows us to see what other people think about us. 
right? And there's almost nothing in human experience that's more addictive than that. And so when we open ourselves up to that, it unleashes all kinds of things, both positive and negative. Um, and it kind of unleashes the angels and the demons of our, of our nature. And I think this is driving a lot of things in technology. Maybe the uncritical way we, we engage these things, the uncritical way we expose ourselves to social pressures uh, 24 hours a day, in a sense, um, drives a lot of change in society, drives a lot of polarization, is, is altering our society. It's the same thing that happened with the introduction of the printing press. It's the same thing that happened uh, with the introduction of writing and, and language and all these things in human history. And now we're seeing it uh, take this new form. And so I think how we interact with social media, how we interact with comments on our posts, how we respond to other people is actually shaping the large scale of what humanity is doing. Like the way that politics and the world and society is unfolding and the way that you know, the world will look like in a, in a generation or two generations. So I think it's important. I think it's a big part of our religious practice uh, I think it's something great for us to be looking at now. Okay, and, and Walter, you actually had a class a few years ago that was the initial inspiration for what I hope this class will be. So talk a little bit about, but maybe about that and where you're coming from. Sure. Uh, my name is Walter Serdaki. I teach in the College of Bible at Lipscomb. And uh, just a little bit about me first, and then I'll get to that, is I remember as a boy, uh, my friend David Ofelt, his dad bought one of the first Apple computers and spending hours at his house um, sta staring in front of that screen playing adventure with him, watching him play adventure. He never gave me a chance. I'm not bitter about that. <laughs> but, um, and so uh, about 15, 20 years ago, I'm a youth minister in Silicon Valley. Funny thing, the church that I was at was sharing one dial-up line in the midst of the internet revolution. I was like, we're a little backwards here. And, uh, and I had parents coming to me, what do we do with this thing called the internet and my kids? And so I started doing some training for parents about how to help navigate technology and all that was just kind of tools that are out there. And then I stopped and I had to say, no, we've got to think theologically about the way we use technology because, you know, on one end of the spectrum, we can all become Luddites and throw away technology. But on the other end of the spectrum, we can completely embrace technology and let it consume our lives how do we navigate somewhere probably this side of center because technology is a non-negotiable um, in our lives and so part of what my work has been is uh, been thinking through how do we theologically address the use of technology in the life of a Christian and so um, that's some of what I want to talk about some of what I'll do is, you know, introduce you to some tools that you can use uh, if you have children or grandchildren, nieces and nephews, as well as just some tools you personally can use to, to let uh, this technology um, be a utilization for your spiritual formation and your spiritual life. So. Okay. So um, we have an email list, and if you go to classes here, we usually pass around an email list. I'm not going to do that with, the, with this class because I figure 
if you're in the social media class, you're probably at the very least on Facebook. So I have uh, created a Facebook group for the class uh, with the same name as the, the class. Uh, and I apologize for the, the photo, but it was the only thing on my phone when I was creating the page that I could figure out a way to tie into the class so we have the trolls. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that will change before the, uh, before the end of the quarter. Um, but this will be a place where, where we will post things that either we're going to reference in class or that we have referenced in class. We may post articles there that we find interesting. We may try to start discussions. We would welcome you to join the group. Um, invite your friends either at Otter Creek or beyond Otter Creek to join the group if you think it's something that they would be interested in. Start your own discussions. Um, you know, feel, feel free to bring whatever content you want to to this group so we can talk about it there. Um, my expectation is that Facebook is going to be kind of the default setting for this class, but I'd like to get a sense of the social media that everybody here uses. So who in the class uses Facebook with any kind of regularity? Okay, so almost everybody. Uh, Twitter? Okay, about half. Instagram? Okay, almost everybody. LinkedIn? Alright. Snapchat? Four. Okay, good. Um, others. What, what other social media do you all use that you really like? MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A um, couple other notes about the class. Uh, we're going to have live internet feeds going here because it just makes it easier when we're looking for things. Um, we're also going to show examples of content that aren't necessarily generated by what you might call Christian sources. Uh, it's not going to be filtered. Uh, while I don't expect that we will see pop-up ads for porn sites, it is entirely possible that we'll run across some rough language or some contentious political commentary from time to time more than we're used to in a typical Sunday school class since that's the world that we or at least me and I assume most of you are living in and trying to learn how to deal with I'm not gonna go to great lengths to make sure that thing that that words are uh, redacted and that everything is sanitized so just a warning there. A second note, uh, as a former reporter, I'm a big fan of the public record. Uh, most of what we post on online is much more public, I think, than we tend to think about it, it being. Um, so all of that being said, if you're posting something, I'm going to consider it fair game. So you could wind up on screen <laughs> without really with, without being aware that you're going to be part of the next class. Um, I, I recently read a quote that uh, really resonated with me as I was thinking about this class and I wish I could remember where I saw it so I could cite it. Uh, but it was that the unexamined use of technology is worldliness. And Walter kind of went to this with his introduction if we take a piece of technology, and, and, and this is something that I certainly tend to do, um, I want to find out what the technology can do, I dive in, I try to figure out 
what I can make it do, what it's good for, how people are using it, and we tend to go to the default settings for how that piece of technology works and how we communicate with other people through that. Uh, that's doing doing that just to do it just to see how much you can do with it that can lead to some really bad things as I think most of us have probably experienced on Facebook um, so I want to show you a video here that, that kind of gets at that. This is, if any of you have read The Fault in Our Stars or have seen the movie, this is John Green, the author of that book, who also has a, a weblog. Hey, it's Tuesday. It's hard to get people on the internet to agree about anything. Like it's hard to get them to agree about complicated subjects like how to pay for and deliver health care. And also it's hard to get them to agree about tiny things like whether to call a GIF a GIF. But the one thing everybody on the internet seems to agree on at the moment is that the internet kind of sucks. Like Samuel Ashworth wrote of Twitter, the thing about Twitter is that no one who uses it needs an explanation of why it is the worst. It is an endlessly self-renewing bonfire of outrage and confusion. And I think that's true not only for Twitter, but also for YouTube and Facebook and Reddit and so on. It's hard to get reliable news online and the news cycle moves so quickly that it's difficult to follow complicated stories over time. And the architecture of the social internet often seems to lift up the loudest and most divisive voices over more cautious and nuanced ones. Also, lots of undeserving creators and creations reach large audiences, and then the backlash to those creators and creations is so hyper-intense that it creates a backlash to the backlash, and then a backlash to the backlash to the backlash ad infinitum. First, I think it's worth noting that a lot of this isn't new. Like, the internet has always sucked, or at least we've always felt like it sucked. I mean, way back in 1995, the very first joke I made on my very first website was that the internet was made out of narcissism, cat pictures, and pornography. The more things change, but the point is, whatever golden age of internet discourse people harken back to is inevitably misremembered. There's a lot I don't like about today's YouTube, but that was also true in 2007 and 2010 and 2012 when the running joke online was that the only place on the internet worse than Yahoo Answers was YouTube comments. Admittedly, it sometimes feels like YouTube comments never really got better so much as the rest of the internet got worse, but still, we shouldn't idealize the past. There have always been powerful people who misuse that power, and there have always been people who feel powerful and vengeful and use the cloak of anonymity to attack others. But none of that means we should have to accept an internet that sucks. Look, this is a complicated problem and I'm not going to solve it in a YouTube video. I do think, however, that we need to look at the differences between our goals as a species and the goals of the private companies that host so much of our public discourse. Alright, imagine you work at a zoo and someone comes up to you and says, I'll give you a thousand dollars every time you get that lion to roar. Maybe at first you teach the lion that when it roars, it gets extra food, but then over time you start to notice that the lion roars whenever it sees something weird, so you start to show it lots of surprising information. You also might notice that lions roar when they feel threatened, but they learn pretty quickly that your threats were empty, so you'd have to bury them up. You'd have to find a million different ways to make the lions feel like their lives were in danger, or their families were about to be broken up, or their territory was threatened. Twitter is not structured to make us better informed or happier. It is structured to keep us on Twitter. The same is true for Facebook and Netflix and Hulu and YouTube and cable news. All of these companies want as much of our attention as they can get because that is how they make money, which is what they exist to do. I don't buy the argument that this makes corporations or the people who work at them evil, but I do think we need to understand what corporations want so that we can know how best to tell them what
what we want. They want our attention, and it is very hard to turn down the feasts that they lay before us. But if we refuse to roar on cue, they will notice and they will change. Algorithms and the companies that control them are big and powerful, but in the end, each of us still chooses what we watch and listen to and read. Your attention is powerful, and it is yours. Hank, I'll see you on Friday. So that's sort of the approach that I'm hoping that we take here. There's a tendency toward alarmist literature about new technologies, particularly, I think, in Christian circles. That may just be what I see since I particularly run in Christian circles. Um, but that's not the approach that we're going to take here. There's uh, a, a book that I have read getting ready for this class that, that I really highly recommend called 12, uh, some, uh, along the lines of 12 Ways Your Smartphone is Changing Your Life. And there's a lot of good information in that book, but it tends to be um, 12 chapters of this is how your life is worse because of what is happening to you and what Facebook is doing or what your phone is doing or what text messages are doing. And followed by a few paragraphs of, but you can do it better this way. I'm much more interested in the better this way part than I am how horrible Facebook and social media is making the world. So you're not, you're going to hear a little of that because it is a challenge that we have to overcome, but that's not really the angle that we're going to be coming from here. Um, yeah. There's one thing he said that uh, I'll talk more about later this semester is, uh, you know, whenever new technology does come down the road, there is this alarmist tendency. You know, it happened with television as well, uh, and then cable television. Right. Uh, yeah. In writing. Um, but there is something different about what we're talking about. Yes. And and I I don't mean to say this is alarmist. I'm just saying this is different. And, and what is different is when I'm watching TV, yes, there's a bunch of people in a room somewhere analyzing what I'm watching and when I'm watching it. But what's different with the algorithms that some of this technology has developed is not only are they watching what I'm watching, they're able to change what I watch in real time. ABC, NBC, CBS can't do that in real time. And so there is something that is different about this technology that we have to pay attention to. I'm not saying be right. alarmist about it, but I'm saying it is a different type of alarmistness that we perhaps mm -hmm. need to pay attention to. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think what, what you're bringing up is, um, and I'm sure we'll explore all of this at, at length, but you know, the idea of filter bubbles and so forth, um, you know, Jesus said, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And there's there's a dynamic that's very like that in social media, where what you respond to is what you get. And right. What you put out, in a sense, is what you get. And I think, to a large extent, we don't realize how much that's true. That the thing we click on, or even the thing we kind of pause on as we're scrolling through our feed, is information that it uses to say, oh, this is what you want. I'm going to give you more and more of this. And if it's something that makes you angry, you're going to see more and more angry-making things until it looks like the whole world has gone crazy. Yeah. 
and it's tuning into that emotion that you express and that you put out there and that you're reacting to. And so it really is a case of like, do unto, you know, treat social media the way you want it to be treated, to, yeah. to be treating you in a sense. Yeah, because well, if, if fa for example, if Facebook learns that you engage with things that make you angry, like, then Facebook is going to keep feeding you things that make you angry. And one of, one of the hardest lessons for me to learn on Facebook is that if Facebook was, set, was feeding me things that I didn't like, it was something that I was doing that was telling Facebook, this is what I want to see, this is what I respond to. And, 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 and part of the challenge of Facebook is figuring out what it is that you're doing that's making them go, oh, he likes that kind of stuff, we're going to give him more of that. Um, because because it, it can be, it can be a, a, a personality flaw, but it can also be something as simple as, oh, he just doesn't know how to moderate his comments threads very well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's friends of mine that have disappeared off Facebook because I didn't stop at their thing. Yeah. And it's just frightening, you know, so think of two or three friends this week that you haven't seen on Facebook and search for them. They're on Facebook. They're just not showing up on your feed. And it's, 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 it's really interesting. The three of us, if we pulled our computers out and put them on three different screens for you and all search for the same thing, we'll come up with three different sets of findings. And this, yeah. is, this is a lot more pervasive. Uh, like it's true with Google, it's true with all kinds of things. Like there's a tendency that we've inherited from maybe talking about TV to be like kind of blame the media for its biased presentation of certain things. But when you are thinking about like, all I see is this, all I see is that, when I Google for this, this is what comes up. Well, it's different for everybody. That's a reflection of, of you and your interests and your expressed uh, focus, really. So a, a Facebook friend uh, asked a question online that I really liked a couple of months ago. It was back in November, I think. And I thought it'd be a good thought exercise for us in our first class. What about Facebook are you thankful to God for? <laughs> Lynn? Anybody else? William? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that I can engage with my uh, OC fam okay. because I live so far away. And it also uh, <laughs> it gives me an opportunity to see, because uh, I initially grew up in this community or this environment, you kind of see when y'all are not in church. Or some of your hobbies, or whatever. <laughs> then unfortunately, you see the kind of music I really listen to. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I mean, and that's really kind of two things because it's 
it's being able to engage with with our Christian community when we're not all in the building together but it's also being able to see how people that are different from us see the world and I mean and that's really one of the things for me that that I value about Facebook in fact there was there was something that happened this week and it was I I, I wanted I wanted to go. <laughs> so yeah, like I like I said, you may wind up on screen without realizing you're going to wind up on screen. Um, but so there was, um, and I most most of you will figure out what it is that that I'm talking about. But there was there was a a sensitive political issue that I wanted to discuss this week with people that had very different viewpoints from mine so I could kind of see how other because I knew how I thought about it or I, I knew part of how I thought about it but I wanted to see how other people thought about it too and it was the sort of conversation that I really could have only had on Facebook because people would have come from all different points of view that I might not necessarily have known they would have had the only problem was I didn't want to have it in front of everybody on Facebook <laughs> Um, so, but it, it does allow us ways, it, it allows us easy ways to see people that are different from us. Yeah, Rob. I, I value the ability to quickly disseminate information. Okay. Mm -hmm. On that quite value. All right. So this set of ideas is a great place for us to start in this class. Um, social media certainly comes with plenty of risks and challenges, but I'm less concerned with how we protect ourselves from the world around us than I am in how we protect other people from the jackasses that we can sometimes make of ourselves when we use social media without giving proper thought to how these things are going to be received. And I wanna, I wanna show you something that I did to get ready for this class. Because of my previous job, I've got a pretty large and very, very diverse group of Facebook friends. All the way politically from the really far right to the really far left. They're from all over the world, different parts of the country, different races, different religions. I mean, it's really kind of all over the place. And that's one of the things that I value. And so knowing that we'd be discussing these sorts of things, about a week ago, I posed a question specifically for my non-Christian Facebook friends, asking them what kind of experiences that they had had with Christians on social media. And here's what I got back. A lot of bad apples. Very first thing, a lot of bad apples. But not all. Some are pretty good peeps. I think social media just brings out the worst in people. Those of faith, sports fans, politics, etc. I have many great Christian friends. That said, I do see and hear a lot of very unchristian-like words and actions coming from some people who wave the Christian banner. I must say that I'm appalled by the willingness of many Christians to turn a blind eye and give their blessing to a president who is so far away from what I learned to be the teachings of Jesus. That absolutely floors me. 
I've come to despise religious fundamentalism. Evangelicals of that stripe choose only to recognize either Deuteronomy and other books of judgment and law in the Old Testament. The only, um, and so he, can, he continues. And then we get, there's, there's a lot of this, but this is about the best we get. The same as any person. Most, not all, who make a point of announcing their Christianity do so before expressing something intolerant and judgmental. There is no recognition that another take on a topic has any merit. No better or worse than my fellow tribe members. Like every human being, some sane, some not. Um, that it's fairly simple to distinguish the good ones from the bad ones. Uh, my perception of Christians on the internet is they're often at their worst just like everybody else. And so it goes, it goes on, um, let's see, I was raised Catholic and my earliest years were in a hippie Catholic church with folk masses featuring day by day. While I had issues with Catholicism from a young age, the rise of the Christian right during my adolescence was really weird because it always seemed so angry and interested in cutting off the potential of anyone who didn't look like its crooked leadership that's only gotten worse in the social media hothouse. People who preface a statement with, as a Christian, then spew vile bigotry, probably should read a Bible and not a Cliff's Notes version of it. Um, and then one of the ones, let's see, from Jeff Perlman, I thought this was one of the more damning ones, not good. Regrettably, seems like those waving the flag of Christianity on Twitter in particular spend an awful lot of time demeaning people as snowflakes and losers. It feels like the teachings of Christ don't cross over to the internet. Um, this, there's a link to this uh, conversation on the on our Facebook group if you want to read everything um, that's you can you can go do that um, so this is the name that Christians have made for themselves because these are not these are not strangers these are not internet trolls these are these are my friends many of most of whom I know better than I know most of you and this is what they're and knowing that I'm a Christian this is the sort of thing they feel comfortable saying to my face so I can only imagine the conversations that they are having when they're not saying stuff to my face um, now you may tell yourself that well they wouldn't feel that way about me and that may be true that um, you know I'm not like the Christians that they're talking about. And that may also be true, but the point is they already feel that way about us. Before they even meet you, this is the impression that they have about Christians. It's the initial impression that has already been created for you when you walk into the room figuratively speaking. Before you say anything on anybody's comments thread, this is what people assume about you, especially as you've seen there, those of us who are on the conservative side of Christianity um, and particularly referencing the politics, those of us who are white and southern because that's how people see us now. We haven't done a very good job of presenting the image of Jesus to people on social media and it's my hope that this class will help us find ways to do a better job of that. Um, does anybody have I, have, I have a follow-up thing that I want to do but I'd love to see if anybody has any questions or any comments at this point. William. Well, 
Come inside here and two stories real quick about the Christian uh, thing on the internet. So about seven, eight years ago, I had a, one of the most horrific days in my life. I got accused of breaking into Vanderbilt's library, which was insane, it was open to the public. I got into an argument uh, with my grandmother about something insane. It was just horrible. And I put some profanity up on the internet. Full disclosure, uh, privately, I used profanity. I'm trying to work on it, and this is true. So I put that up on my timeline. And people were like, they should have done that to you. And all my friends, but everybody from my church was like, people were looking at you, depending on you. And I was like, oh my God, I never really thought about this. And it really was kind of transformative. I put up controversial things on my timeline about music and whatnot. Like I compared uh, Josh to Young Jeezy. Uh, <laughs> you, a lot of y'all don't know who Young Jeezy is, but he's a hip hop artist. Because he called himself Pastor Young, and Josh is my preacher. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought that was a very, very, um, it, it was an ex amazing experience for me. A horrific experience that I had is that John Royal is a director, he's a theater actor, he's doing a show at the Rep right now called Smart People. John, you, we grew up together at Shredder Island, and one of our other church members who we go by name is still at Shredder So. There's a guy that ended up being in the uh, play. He was the first, I think, openly gay actor ever to be in the role. Like he was, like he was. We were talking about marrying. He went somewhere and married this guy that was controversial whether they were married. It's about so many years ago. And this guy that we grew up with basically said it was the most horrible thing he'd ever seen. John should be ashamed of himself, and we should we should boycott the play. And <laughs> it it was the most shameful, damnable experience I'd ever had and been associated with Christianity. Because all the people from our church basically called this man everything but a son of God. It was it was horrific. And I didn't I didn't even in cowardly I, I didn't get up because what I should have said is this is horrible. Y'all need to leave this man alone. Uh, but I was so scared of what they would think but I was ashamed. This is real complex. And I I I get chills even thinking about because it was a gigantic argument for like a week and the guy that did it he, they literally the, the, the Church of Christ Christians that I that I knew they were acting like he was uh, a martyr keyboard they, they, they thought he was a, uh, uh, a saint for certain but that's what I'm saying it, it, it can be horrific if it's, if it's left unchecked but I think it brings out the worst and the good of so this is too micro so a lot of this class will be will be practical tips, things, ways ways that we can rethink what we do on social media, ways that we can play to or against the algorithms, um, just different different ways that we can think about being a Christian online, what presenting the image of Jesus online looks like. Um, some of which are very simple, some of which uh, will require a lot more discipline um, yeah yeah I think of two things uh, two observations from this one is uh, you know, the old Christian devotional song they'll know we are Christians by our tweets uh, <laughs> which and and then there's a uh, one author who says you know Christian is a really great adjective uh, no I'm yep. sorry a really poor adjective but a really great noun and uh, another author who says you know how dare we call ourselves Christian and his point is saying, no, that's a term that should be attributed to you by others. 
and so it's our actions and our words and our um, and our um, character that others should go oh Mike you must be one of those Christians instead of something that it's attributed self uh, by ourselves yeah. yeah one I mean the thing that convicts me from this is as, as that as a Christian and then like uh, spewing some kind of judgment or bigotry uh, according to these people and I think that's that's a common thing I, I've heard lots of people say that in in uh, you know real life or whatever and um, yeah w- why are we not saying as a Christian here's some grace mm. you know like uh, because I yeah thinking about how Jesus interacted with the people he met in his environment who were vile sinners you know as the son of God what like what did he offer them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and goodness knows Jesus encountered his share of trolls because yeah. <laughs> there were there, because a lot of the people that asked Jesus questions about what he thought of things that I mean it was it was specifically the same kind of behavior as you get from online trolls they were functioning in exactly the same way. Um, by the way, it took one hour from posting this for somebody that I know through Otter Creek to post on it about Bud Hillary. It took one hour, even though I had specifically asked for my non-Christians to respond. It took one hour. Alright, so follow up. Everybody's had their phones on, so I want to ask you, who checked their email during class? Okay? <laughs> who looked at their Facebook feed? We know, we know, we know Rob and William did. <laughs> um, who looked up something related to something that somebody said in class. Okay, three. Who who posted something to social media while you were in here? Who played Candy Crush? <laughs> All right. Great. So that's an introduction to what we're going to do over the next 17 weeks. I would love for all of you, um, in addition to Rob and William, to join the group and feel free to post to the group. Feel free to ask questions about feel, feel free If you come up with something that you would like us to discuss in class, feel free to post that to us through the group. Or feel free to start a conversation that we can then take into class. So, and that is pretty much what I've got. We've got a couple of minutes if, there any, if there's anything anybody wants to say. Otherwise, I think we're done for this morning. All right, thank you, everybody. <laughs>